This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning to you. It's a Wednesday and it's... November 2nd, we survived the first day, we survived the football work week, we survived the first set of college football playoff rankings, we survived game three of the World Series, Steve Nash did not survive uh, November as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Thank you for all your questions, for asking me anything, Jay is right, you rallied, I I had zero doubt, I have so much faith in you. I've already gone back and answered some of your questions. And so you can find them on our Facebook page. The thread is there after hours with Amy Lawrence or on our Twitter page. I I haven't yet gotten to the ones on Twitter, but I will. Generally, I don't get to the ones on Twitter until I wake up on Wednesday afternoon, but I promise that I will respond to the questions that I can answer quickly, not the ones that ask me for my pick to win the Super Bowl. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, our hump show here on CBS Sports Radio. So on Twitter, After Hours CBS, uh, we will reveal your choice for TD of the Week. The last I knew, it was literally going down to the wire, mere percentage points separating our top two candidates. Jay, is the poll done or are people still able to vote? There are 18 minutes left. Oh, go! And it is very close. Go, go, go! Ready, break, go! Omaha! <laughs> Honestly, one vote in either direction could be the difference here. Uh, uh, what? No, there's way too many votes for that. One vote can't be the difference. I know, but one vote would be like if we had 11 votes. Maybe like four votes. Okay. Anyway, whether it's Twitter, After Hours CBS, or our Facebook page, you can still vote for TD of the Week. As Jay mentions, it is very close. In addition, we've got a show question out there that we think is producing a variety of uh, answers, a wondrous variety, a smorgasbord, if you will. Because in light of the Phillies dominating the postseason at Citizens Bank Park, we felt like this was a good opportunity to throw it out there. Which teams actually do carve out a real, tangible home field, home court, or home ice advantage? And that doesn't mean they win all of their games at home, but it does mean the fans create an advantage that literally can sway plays, snaps, moments, it it makes a difference. Now, sometimes in football, that's tangibly measured by, say, false start penalties for the visiting team or when teams can't communicate. And one of the first places I thought of is Arrowhead Stadium. I've been there for a football game on the field, and you cannot hear yourself think. It's insane. Um, it's amazing, but it's insane. There are certainly atmospheres in college football like that, and some of you have responded to the question on both of our social media sites with college football. 
home field advantages. There are certainly some in basketball. And then obviously when we're talking about hockey, it's not court or field, it's ice. So we didn't want to leave out hockey. Uh, so it doesn't, again, doesn't mean they win there all the time, but it does mean that when it comes to the games that matter, when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, so to speak, the fans are so invested. They're so passionate. They're so ready to be part of the event, to be part of the series or the game that they bring it. And they don't just react to what's happening on the field, the court, the ice. They actually set a tone that the opposing team has to walk into and deal with. Like the Seattle Seahawks, who call it the 12th man, or the Texas A&M Aggies at Kyle Field, who call it the 12th man. Those fans are engaged the entire time, regardless of what's happening on the field. And it really is about the fans. It can be about the dimensions, I suppose. It can be about the acoustics, but it's really about the fans. We see multiple stadiums and venues around the country that are gorgeous and state-of-the-art, the the newest technology. They're a lot of fun to visit, but they don't necessarily have the character or the fan support or the advantage uh, that comes with some of the older places, some of the places where fans maybe have a history, uh, where they have a connection with the venue and the team that plays there. And right now, I think it's very evident that the Phillies and their fans have carved out a real, tangible home field advantage uh, because they have not lost at home in these playoffs, but also because the fans are, and I say this in a positive way, it's a compliment, absolutely and utterly insane. (laughs) It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So let's talk about Game 3 of the World Series. It was delayed, but in all of its glory, we got the fireworks we waited for right off the top. Two outs, runner at first. And McCullers kicks and comes home. And the pitch swung on. Hits him. Right field. And the Phillies (laughs) are going to lead it. Yeah, they are. Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top with a two-run home run over the out-of-town scoreboard. Simply amazing. Harper here at home has homered on back-to-back swings. Listen to this. Crazy. That is Phillies radio, and I just adore listening to them. It's been nutso. And you don't get the full effect of the fans behind them, but a taste of it. Uh, I not only listened on the radio, but watched on TV. And the roars, captivating, electrifying, certainly the buzz, the energy. And the Phillies fans deserve credit for that. And Bryce Harper knows it well. Having a first inning, no doubter home run off Lance McCullers was massive. Just walking into the ballpark, I mean, just being back home, I think, is, is such a momentum swing for us just for the pure fact of our fan base. I mean, we all come in here and we're ready to go and we're excited to get on the field because we know they're going to show up and, you know, there's going to be 46,000 people here screaming and yelling, going crazy. And, um, you know, this whole this whole city is, is so excited to be in this moment. Um, and we're just, you know, thrilled to be able to play in front of them and, and have this opportunity and, you know, just be here with them. They're like the Eagles. They get better every game. It was really something. Yeah, it's really good. There's a lot of love between the Phillies and the Eagles, uh, the two franchises right now who are pursuing something special. That's Rob Thompson, who compares the Phillies fans to the Eagles who get better every single game. 
So that was your first inning blast from Bryce Harper. And right after he goes through the handshake line and they do all their their fun gestures and the connections with every single player. I don't know how they remember that stuff. I can't even remember. Well, I don't have a good analogy right off the top right now, but I uh, couldn't imagine remembering all those. I'm always in awe of baseball and softball teams because they all have special handshakes between each one of them. And so after Bryce Harper does that and gets back to the top step of the dugout, into the on-deck circle, he starts yelling, Boomer! Boomer! To his teammate, Alec Boehm. So Boehm was standing there getting ready to hit, and it was it was a mic that just happened to be right there, and it was very clearly Harper yelling at his teammate to try to get his attention. So Boomer comes back. Boom, sorry, I don't call him Boomer. Boom comes back to Bryce Harper. They have a, a private moment, a conversation. And while Boom did not get on base in that moment, it wasn't long before he took that advice to heart. And the pitch to Alec Boom blasted left field deep. Alvarez back. He turns. He looks. It's gone. It just clears. Lead off homer here in the second for Alec Boehm on a low laser just over the left field wall. And it's 3-0 Phillies. Swung on, hit in the air, oh. high and deep, right field. Tucker drifting back to the track at the wall. He jumps, and it's off the top of the wall. Is it a homer? They say yes. Brandon Marsh. Swung on, hit in the air, center field. Going back on his McCormick. Back toward the wall. It is gone. Off the brick wall. Above the trees, a two-run center field home run for Kyle Schwarber. And the Phillies are leading it now six to nothing. Here's the 2-2 pitch to Hoskins. Swung on, hit in the air, deep to left field. It is gone! Back-to-back home runs! Schwarber and Hoskins. Reese is pumping his fist going around second base. Seven-nothing Phillies. Whose house? Mercy. <laughs> Once again, Scott Fransky and company, uh, Tom McCarthy, it's it's all in the pool. Everybody's in the pool. Everybody's taking aim, whether it's Phillies radio, whether it's the Phillies on the base paths. They hit home runs in the first, in the second, in the fifth innings. And at that point, Lance McCullers, they had no choice but to pull him. Dusty Baker had no choice but to pull him. When Alec Bohm was interviewed on Fox Uh, by Ken Rosenthal. Of course, Ken asked him. Now, I don't love these conversations in the dugout while the game is going on. It's it's not my favorite. I, I don't know. I suppose it's cool access, but it doesn't seem like you ever get anything real. Anyway, regardless, that's something that Fox now has in its repertoire during this postseason. And Ken asked him, what did Bryce Harper say to him? And, of course, his response was, that's private between the two of us. But later, because of the speculation and how well the Phillies were able to get to Lance McCullers. And John Smoltz had a lot to say about what Lance was throwing and the fact that he wasn't able to throw some of the pitches that he normally does because of the aggressiveness and because of uh, how well the Phillies hitters are locked in right now. But regardless, the idea came up that McCullers was tipping pitches, possibly. And so the question was, is that what Bryce Harper was telling Alec Bohm and other players after he hit his home run? These guys, they're always talking, communicating what they're seeing, what what the pitches look like to them when they're standing in the box. So that's pretty normal. I think guys have conversations all the time, you know, before at-bats and before innings and things like that. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and 
and, and say anything like that. They, I got whooped. Yeah. End of story. That's not anything I notice. I mean, you know, guys are always looking for, for something. Always looking to see if they're tipping their pitches, and um, uh, you know, we didn't say anything. I mean, sometimes they just they just hit you. You know what I mean? And uh, like I said. Uh, you know, who knows? They might have been sitting on all speed pitches because that's what they hit out of the ballpark. Yeah, it did seem like there could have been a variety of explanations. You hear Dusty Baker and before that, Lance McCullers, guys talk all the time. And certainly they're sharing intel. That happens in every sport. If you're not sharing intel, then you're missing opportunities uh, based on what you've seen in, in these matchups. So that's not anything different or strange. As for the tipping pitches, I mean, it's it's like anything else in baseball, right? Once you And actually, it's not just baseball. Think how often this happens in football, where a defensive group can figure out what's happening on the offensive side of the ball. They can pick up on particular tendencies or particular directions, which way the ball goes, how the offensive line dictates, what happens in the backfield based on what they hear at the line of scrimmage, which is why you constantly have to change it. So whether it was tipping pitches or whether it was a pattern, whatever it was, these guys are professional hitters. These are professional athletes. They know what to look for. They can do this stuff in their sleep. So it is certainly beholden on Lance McCullers, on his battery, just like it is on an offensive line or a quarterback to change up the terminology you use, to change up uh, how you run plays, because smart athletes on the other side who get paid too are going to figure it out if you become too formulaic, if you're... your patterns become too obvious. But Lance McCullers wasn't really concerned about whether or not that was the case. He just recognizes that this was a tough go and, and feels like he lets his team down. I got beat, man. You know, they uh, they hit a lot of a lot of solid pitches, I thought. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we got beat pretty bad. And I got beat up pretty bad. They just had good at-bats, you know. I mean, I felt like I made some adjustments and went on a little bit of a of – a, decent run there toward the middle of the game and then obviously it, you know they hit the two homers to uh to before I got taken out so um you know this is a game of adjustments and, and they're a good team I've said that before and uh I got beat today Lance McCullers wasn't the only reason they lost but certainly that makes it very difficult to rally from and obviously takes a lot of pressure off the pitchers for the Philadelphia Phillies. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So there were five home runs, all of them off Lance, seven runs total across the plate in the four and the one-third innings. It's the first World Series victory for the Phillies since game five in 2009, and they do it with a record by hitting five home runs off one pitcher. Now, you could say that's on Dusty for not pulling Lance before that. Uh, There certainly is a debate to be had there. But, yeah, the Phillies offense has been locked in for weeks now because they've been living on the edge. They were the last team to get into the playoffs, and they've had to continue hitting like this just to survive. It's pretty evident what kind of threat they pose, (laughs) and they can get the ball out of the ballpark, and they can hit. And so, uh, you know, we, we just got to go back to the drawing board and, and, and figure was it, was it them tonight or was it Lance tonight, you know, not having his off. The Phillies now have seven home, uh, excuse me, 17 home runs in six games and in the last six games of the playoffs. It's clear that their best hitters are playing their best and performing their best 
on the game's biggest stage. And that's what you want, obviously. I don't believe in destiny necessarily, but I do believe that everything can come together at the right time. And some of it's tangible, some of it's measurable, some of it's not. This team had to perform as though in the postseason with that sense of urgency for weeks and weeks just to get back to the point where they were relevant in a division that's so difficult with the Mets and the Braves winning 101 games. I've said it over and over again. Their playoff run started long before October, and they've been able to maintain that. But it's also the the chemistry, the, this group fighting for each other, believing uh, that it's it's us in this in this clubhouse, and and that's it. Nobody else believes in us. That's very powerful as a sports team. So all of it is coming together in the perfect time for the Phillies. But let's be honest, the guys still have to perform on this stage and to see what Bryce Harper is doing in the playoffs. Uh, the, the fact that he's now got six home runs in the playoffs. The way that Kyle Schwarber has rallied from, it was a slow start, if I remember correctly, for the Phillies when um, they played the Cardinals first and then against the Braves. And Schwarber took a little longer to find his stroke and to find that rhythm. But JT Real Muto, we're talking about the stars who are showing up. Not just them, but they're the ones setting the tone. And it's been really impressive to watch these Phillies. As for the Astros, they certainly can answer. Their offense was anemic last night, and that's on them. They actually only had three opportunities with runners in scoring position. Uh, They left eight guys on base, but only five hits. So there has to be some responsibility for them as well. It's not just about the pitching staff. Now, moving forward... It'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not Dusty Baker is quicker to go to his his bullpen or quicker to make a change. Uh, that obviously a criticism and has been something that's plagued him a little bit throughout his time as a manager in the postseason. Uh, what we've got for game four tonight, Christian Javier of the Astros, Aaron Nola, who is the game one starter. He will return as the game four starter. So the opener was Friday night and now he'll come back on this Wednesday night with the pushback certainly helped. And then I don't know if it will end up being a closeout game. I do believe the Astros are gutty. They got a lot of experience in these situations. So I wouldn't be surprised if they come back with a win on Wednesday, but if they don't Justin Verlander game five would be Justin Verlander. His world series numbers, his world series performances are brutal. He's got, He's got, he's accomplished, he's been honored for pretty much everything else you can possibly do and be in baseball, but he does not have a World Series win, and the numbers are stark contrast to what else he's done in his career. This could be the time, and it could be that it it's the last opportunity for the Astros, but we won't know that till we get through Wednesday. All right, you can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. Love to hear the best home field, home court, home ice advantages in sports. We'll run through some of those before we hit the top of the hour. And then producer Jay's retweeting some of them on our show account, After Hours CBS. The NFL trade deadline featured some pretty active movement and some big-name players, some fantasy guys that are going to change uniforms. Uh, Straight ahead, though, it caught me off guard Uh, Maybe later in the season it would not have, but Steve Nash out in Brooklyn and Ime Udoka could soon be the new head coach of the Nets. You'll hear from Kevin Durant as well as our Nets insider who joined us earlier in the show. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, our home show here on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to... 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The After Hours Podcast. both felt this was this was time uh, it was certainly trending in that way and to be quite frank the team was uh, was not doing what it was supposed to be doing this is after hours with Amy Lawrence Nets general manager Sean Marks on parting ways with Steve Nash it was a two and five start for the Nets the season before they lost last night to the Chicago Bulls in a rally in the fourth quarter by Chicago but a two and five start under Steve Nash, and then the change. Jacques Vaughn is now the interim head coach again. So, Sean Marks, how much did the players have to do with this decision to part ways with Steve? Zero. There was zero input from from any of the players on this. I think this was a decision that uh, we didn't need that. Um, Steve and I didn't need that. Um, Obviously, I've talked to Joe about this, but um, the players were not consulted. They were were told ahead of time that this was the direction we were going to today, but I I don't think we needed that, uh, that, that input right now. I believe him. I just think it's ironic that they listened to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving when they hired Steve Nash because this was the guy they wanted, not Jacques Vaughn. Now Vaughn is back as the interim and Steve Nash is out and who knows where they look at this point. Kevin Durant, after the Bulls lost his reaction to Steve Nash's ouster. Oh, shocked. I mean, you're always shocked when a move like this happens, but it's normal in the NBA, you know, so it's about getting ready for the game tonight. A lot of stuff. We didn't have a healthy team. Just didn't play well. Um, 
and that's what happens in the league. So um, that doesn't take away from Steve's basketball IQ, his how he teaches the game. I don't think that takes away from anything. It just didn't. We just didn't work out. I like working with Steve. I like working with the coaching staff. It was a, a roller coaster the last few years, but you know the core of it, basketball, is something that we all love to do. You know, so regardless of who the coach, regardless of you know the circumstances, you still got to come to work. So I enjoy coming to work with Steve. Am I the only one that thinks that's disingenuous after he gave an ultimatum to Joe Sy that he would only return? Obviously, they didn't trade him, but he would only return if Sean Marks and Steve Nash were fired. Okay, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Had a chance to catch up with New York Post insider Brian Lewis, who joined us earlier in the show, and I asked him, why even bother bringing Steve back to start the season if this was the way, ultimately, it would go. I asked John Mark that question, and I didn't really get a concise answer. You know, what if you, if you thought that this was the right move in training camp, then why isn't it the right move now? And I suppose their contention is that they gave it at least some opportunity during the regular season, preseason and regular season. And it was obvious that the team was not going in the correct direction, uh, that they were backsliding, and that they weren't getting the production that they had hoped for. But I think it was fairly obvious that the primary parties, Kevin, Kyrie, etc., they were not clearly responding, shall we say. Brian Lewis covers everything that is the Nets and their winding road for the New York Post. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. The headline on your column about Steve Nash's tenure ending includes the word mercifully and then in quotes as things came to a head. Are you referring to on the court or does this include everything that's been happening with the Nets, like the Kyrie Irving situation? Well, I don't consider the Kyrie Irving situation over. And even when it is, there'll be another one. When I'm saying came to a head, I mean Sean and Steve, who have a friendship that goes back decades. They've been in constant communication. That's not a new thing. So we're talking about communication over the past week about these guys aren't responding. They're not hearing what I'm saying. I can't drag out of them what I'm trying to drag out of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm saying those conversations finally came to a head mm. and they decided to part ways. The name out there is Ime Udoka, as you've referenced, and he was a part of the staff before he took that Celtics gig. We know what happened with Boston Kind of, at least the fact that it seems like the Celtics were not interested in bringing him back once the suspension was handed down. What does it take to get him released from Boston and back in Brooklyn? I don't think it'll take that much. I do not think this is a situation where Boston would hold Brooklyn hostage uh, in terms of draft compensation and so forth, which at least to me, tells me if you have a youngish coach who just led your team to the NBA Finals, 
and you are willing to let him go to a division rival that is loaded with talent, and you're willing to let him go with no sort of compensation, that would terrify me as to what I'm not seeing. (laughs) That would scare me Hmm. that I'm only seeing the tip of the iceberg. But I don't know. I don't know what the Celtics know. I don't know what it is that we don't know. Uh, But I don't figure it will take a ton of compensation to free him from the rest of his contract and get him to Brooklyn. I don't think that's going to be a difficult hurdle to clear. Getting back to the team, the, the last time you and I spoke, we were in the throes of Kyrie, whether or not he would pick up his option, and then boom, right on the heels of him doing that, Kevin Durant asked for a trade. You already mentioned this conversation that he had with Josiah about trying to get Steve Nash and Sean Marks ousted. That didn't happen. So here we are, one big happy family, though minus Steve Nash. Is all of that forgotten, Brian? Forgotten by whom? By the team? Forgot- by I don't know, by the locker room, by the general manager, by the owner? Are they just agreeing to let all of that be in the past? I don't think they have a choice. Here's the thing. <laughs> Good point. They, they don't have better options. Kevin Durant's not a fool. He looked around at the landscape, and he realized the Nets are not giving him away for nothing. And he also realized that if the Nets could extract even close to the price that they wanted, the team that he's going to is going to be a picked over carcass and he's going to be playing by himself. And the Nets, they never wanted to trade him. They grudgingly did their due diligence and said, okay, what's out there that we could pry away from other teams? What's our asking price? What could possibly be our guess? And then they looked and they said, none of these deals are to our liking. It's an uneasy marriage. Uh, You might say it's a marriage of convenience, Mm. but it's certainly better than the option. (laughs) And I think all sides realize. Great stuff from Brian Lewis of the New York Post, who covers both the Nets and the NBA. I tweeted his line a little while ago just because it resonated with me. And I told him when he was on the show, that I was going to use it and I was going to attribute the line to him. Quote, the Nets do drama far better than they do basketball right now. And if you're wondering about the Kyrie Irving situation and the options for the team, plus the relative silence from the NBA, we also go over that. It's certainly still a topic of conversation around the league and I haven't forgotten it. I don't think anyone else has forgotten it in basketball circles. It's just eerily quiet around him and wondering if there is going to be any type of discipline or any type of ramification uh, that comes down because of the tweet that he's now deleted, uh, but that was the link to the movie that had definite anti-Semitism in it. He has said he didn't endorse it. He doesn't endorse it, but to share the link like that can be looked at by a lot of people as support or as uh, agreement. It's a sticky situation on social media always. Now, something else that Brian told us, and again, you'll want to check out this conversation on our podcast after hours, amylawrence.com, is that one of the reasons Kyrie has not been made available to the media is because 
when he was over the weekend, it went so horribly wrong. The, the Nets did not like how it went with Kyrie the last time he was in front of microphones, and they do not want him out there now. And so until they feel like they can trust him or they have some handle on what he might say, they're not comfortable putting him out there in front of the microphones. That's directly from Brian, who you know was part of that press conference with Sean Marks on Tuesday. So there's a lot there. Make sure you check it out for the latest details. And this Ime Udoka wrinkle... It's interesting. It's it's certainly what the Celtics wanted someone else to take him off their hands so that the, and and they're going to get compensated for it because he's still an active coach. He's still their well, active is the wrong word. He's still their coach, and so th- this is best case scenario for Boston and maybe for the Nets as well because they have a history with them. These guys know him. He certainly does have a a working relationship with players that's productive. But what do we not know? There's the part that's interesting, intriguing, and and certainly seems like the Nets walk into these types of situations all the time. This is their specialty. Jay hates it when I say this, but I got to be honest. They are the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. They do this to themselves. They do. They know the potential. And how often does it backfire in their faces? It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, NFL trade deadline on Tuesday. Man, a lot of big names, big fantasy movers and shakers that are now on the moving and shaking. You are listening to the After Hours Pod. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Cast. You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Firing for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. Takes it himself to the pylon. Touchdown. One man to beat ten. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Made a guy miss. He's inside the five. He's to the three to one. Stops the center salting into the end zone. Touchdown. The people have spoken, and one score stands above the rest. Here is your TD of the Week. The San Francisco 49ers. Kittle is inside of Ayuk, right? They motion McCaffrey. Backwards pass to McCaffrey, and he's going to throw downfield wide open. Brandon Ayuk! Touchdown! San Francisco! He can run! I don't think anyone ever has a perfect game. You know, I think anytime you check the tape, you know, regardless of the statistics, there's always a couple plays here or there where 
uh, you're kind of beating yourself up about. So I'm sure that'll happen. Again, I think everyone week. knows how good of a player he is. So I just like how consistent he is and under control in what he does. He's he's a very smart player. And even though he makes a lot of plays and stuff, but the consistency of how he plays his game and stuff, I feel like was a great guy to add for us. Christian McCaffrey, the trifecta. And not only was he asked about it being a perfect day, you chose his throwing touchdown to Brandon Ayuk on Niners Radio as your TD of the week. You hear Greg Papa and Tim Rice. And then Kyle Shanahan about the addition. And if you haven't heard the story, they were going through some of their various options and kind of drawing up game plans and looking at uh, what they could do to change it up and to create new wrinkles against the Rams. And he yells out to his table, anybody know if Christian can throw the ball? And one of his coaches came back to him with a video showing Christian throwing the football. (laughs) And so they decided to incorporate that, and it turns into a long touchdown pass. In addition to that, though, George Kittle was a guest on Sirius XM NFL Radio on Tuesday, and he was asked about Christian's huge day and how he changes things for the Niners. He was inspired by the World Series. He hit the trifecta today, you know, <laughs> passing, catching, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, love to see it. Um, being around him for just a week, you see the hard work he puts in every single day. And just adding into our already talented roster just makes it a lot easier on everybody else. The cuts he makes, he's really hard to tackle, he's slippery. And he's just an, he's an overall baller, so it's very fun to play with him. He's slippery. I love that. Uh, George Kittle also had a touchdown on Sunday against the Rams. So, again, Sirius XM NFL Radio. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket Ham. Some fairly intriguing moves, most of them based on finances and draft picks, and positioning for the future. But at the NFL trade deadline, we had some big names. I don't know why I just hiccup. Sorry. Uh, We had some big names, some pro bowlers who changed teams, like Bradley Chubb, the, the outside linebacker for the Denver Broncos. So they've now divested themselves of two of their best defensive players in the last two years in first Vaughn Miller and now Bradley Chubb. And in exchange for Chubb to the Dolphins, they do receive a package that includes a 2023 first round pick. And so this is clearly the aim for the Broncos having traded away so much of their draft capital to get Russell Wilson. Now they have to sacrifice one of their best defensive players to bring in a first round pick. Listener on Facebook asked me if this made the Broncos better. Hell no. How do you get better by trading away a Pro Bowl linebacker in exchange for draft picks? That does not make you better. Uh, But this is the state that the Broncos are in, and maybe they don't have designs on making the playoffs or rallying from the hole that they're in. It just sends such... A discouraging message to the fan base, I think. Now, the Dolphins were active. Not only did they add Bradley Chubb, it's huge. Oh, before we move on, uh, Bradley actually was tracked down by reporters as he was leaving the Broncos facilities on Tuesday. You know, it's the business side of it. I understand that. It uh, it sucks at the moment, but just because the guys I'm leaving back, the the, the relationships I've built over these past couple years, and just like walking into this facility every day is going to be different to going to a different one, but I'm excited about the new journey God has for me. For me and my family, so I'm looking forward to it. Kind of just all come to a halt, you know what I mean? And even earlier today, I was kind of up in the air, how I should feel and stuff like that. So now it's, it's good to be in the right state of mind and understand what, what the task at hand is now and just go out there and, and execute. 
So that's Bradley Chubb before he left Denver and now joins the Miami Dolphins. Broncos then turn around and make a trade. <laughs> this is the part that's crazy. They turn around and make a trade for a pass rusher in defensive end Jacob Martin from the Jets. He still has to pass a physical. He's got a sack and a half for the Jets to this point, um, and he signed with them as a free agent. So they exchange a pro bowler for another guy who they think can help, but they don't have to give up nearly as much, and really getting the first-round pick was important to them. The Dolphins make another move in bringing in Jeff Wilson from the Niners, and I think this is really interesting because Mike McDaniel has such a great familiarity, not just with Jeff Wilson, but with Raheem Mostert as well, who we've seen get a lot of play early on with the Dolphins. So those two guys are reunited in the Dolphins' backfield where they were together in the Niners' backfield. There were some other weapons that were on the move too, like Naeem Hines, Colts running back slash receiver, headed to the Buffalo Bills. I know the Bills were looking to upgrade. Remember, they were one of the teams that inquired about Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, the Rams did too. And this is a, this is a, I think it's a nice pairing. I like it. I do feel like they need to have more games in which their run game is not sparked by Josh Allen. He's a tough guy. He's physical. He's obviously a big, and he's athletic, and he's powerful. I don't need him to be leading the Bills in rushing. I don't think that's their best offensive plan. Sometimes scrambles, yes, extending plays. If there are openings, you want him to be smart and take what the defense gives him. But I don't love any quarterback leading his team in rushing, and certainly not a Josh Allen, who is I believe far more dangerous with his arm um, as much as he can get out and run. And I think that mobility is a weapon for him, but too often he is the bill's top rusher. So let's see what they can do in exchange for Zach Moss. They bring in Naeem Hines and they've been trying to add a, certainly a running back, but a running back who is also able to, to catch out of the backfield, which is what Christian McCaffrey does so well. All right, so that's a a move for the Bills that definitely weakens the Colts. In fact, Hines had a touchdown uh, over the weekend against the Commanders, too. But you can kind of see the line of demarcation. Uh, As for receivers, the Bears pick up Chase Claypool from the Pittsburgh Steelers. uh, And this is one that general manager Ryan Poles has kind of added to his list of moves now. He's a first-year GM. He also traded away Roquan uh, Roquan Smith uh, and Robert Quinn in other deals, and now he brings Chase Claypool back to Chicago. I am excited about this player. You know, I really like the way that our offense is, is starting to come together and move. I thought it was important to add another impact player to our offense to go along with the guys that we currently have in the receiver room right now. Um, I like the way Justin is trending, and I think adding another um, big body who's physical, explosive, Great leaping ability, can stretch the field, but also is is violent with the ball in his hand as well as a blocker. I think that enhances everyone around him. You may have noticed that the Bears don't have or didn't have a viable threat at receiver. Darnell Moody is their leading receiver. That sounded like I said Moody. I meant to say Mooney. It didn't quite come out that way. Maybe he is moody. Who knows? Anyway, he's the guy that leads them with 25 catches, but he's got no touchdowns through eight games. So they do not have a number one wide receiver. Chase play. 
Oh, heavens. Okay. It's Wednesday morning. It's the hump show. I'm starting to lose it. It's all going to heck in a handbasket right now. Let's see if I can survive for the next 90 seconds, okay? Uh, I'm all about the beefcake boys. I'm not about the acting. Uh, So Chase Claypool instantly moves to their number one wide receiver spot. Something interesting about Chase, in his two-plus years, he has over 2,000 yards and a dozen touchdowns. Ten of those touchdowns, though, came in his rookie year. Can he find some new life now? From the end of Ben Roethlisberger's tenure to Mitch Trubisky and then on into this Kenny Pickett regime, era, tenure, whatever. Uh, Can he find some new life and spark the Bears? Also saw the Lions trade their tight end TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. So another target for Kirk Cousins. And this was really about money. Uh, The Lions didn't feel like they were going to be able to pay him what he wanted on the free agent market. So they wanted to get something for him in return. And then the Falcons trading away the suspended Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. So when he returns to the NFL, he will be in Jacksonville. Wow. There were other moves, too, but those are the ones that resonated and made some headlines, so we'll see how they play out in Week 9. Really quickly, Producer Jay, home field, home court, home ice advantage. Where is it? What's one place? Buffalo. Bill's D- Mafia. Yes, for sure. I would say Arrowhead Stadium. I'd also go with Oracle, or the old Oracle. Yes. Uh, now the Chase Center, where the Warriors play. We'll pick this up tomorrow. Enjoy your Wednesday. Survive your Wednesday. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Boom! T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.